Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, guys? It's your boy Dylan at Thunder Chats here. Coming to you on behalf of our sponsor, betonline.ag. Being this is a Believe Podcast Network, we've got to go to the one tried and true constant sponsor of BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start to the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wedge wager to wager on popular sports and games bet online where the game starts i know i messed up but i'm keeping it in hope you guys enjoy the pod And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Topic Thunder Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunzinger at Thunder Chats. I'm joined by two of my best friends in the world. We've got Maddie Moles in Texas with a brand new desk. Maddie Moles, how are you, sir? I'm I'm good. Um, rocking the the Paul George OKC shirt, trying to generate some uh, some good favor against the Clippers. Moving on to tomorrow night's game sure we'll talk about that a little bit but uh yeah the desk is assembled got an old-fashioned ready to go for this thing and i'm i'm excited to talk thunder basketball and i haven't really been able to say that a lot uh of late so um we got some pretty interesting stuff from exit interviews to get into that i'm i'm really excited to hear y'all's thoughts on so let's go yep absolutely man and you've you pretty much covered the outline of topics we're going to be talking about today. But before we jump into that, uh, we've got to get to our, our next member of the pod that's on because it's a Wednesday, not a Thursday. We've recorded on Thursdays the past few weeks. This man cannot do Thursdays. The man, the myth, the legend, the three, the underscore, the cone. Man, the intros never get old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happy to be Try back to. on. Um yeah, you're really good at that. If you if there's some way you can go into that as like a professional living, like just doing intros for people, like I feel like, I don't know. I feel like you'd be pretty good at it. You'd be a great like ring announcer. That's what you should do. the buffers. Might be the next. Exactly. Buffer. Yeah, exactly. Dylan Buffer. Um, I like it. But doing good. Uh, yeah, excited to talk some Thunder basketball. Uh, it's an exciting time to be an NBA fan in general with the playoffs coming around. Uh, watching playing games, watching these young teams gets me really excited for when Hopefully, we make a return to the playoffs pretty soon. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into all that in a bit. Yeah, hey, we're not going to bury the weed, man. We're going to jump right into it. Um, you know, like we said, exit interviews happened yesterday. Uh, this being recorded on Wednesday. So, um, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about our biggest takeaways and the segment you guys know you love. It is called the Single Large Item. Single, single Large, large Item. item. All right, single large item, guys. Uh, you know, biggest takeaways in the exit interviews. Uh, I think Alex is going to be joining us here in a little bit. Uh, if he's not here by the time we each get through one, we can go back around and do another one if we want to. So, 
Cohen, it's been a while since you've been on the pod, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have the honors and take the first single large item. I'm gonna lob it to you here real quick. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the easy one. Um, the like interesting hinting of guys like in particular like Shay, his comments that he made in his exit interview when they asked him like how does Sam Presti and like Mark Dagnall, like do they keep him in the loop? And he's like, absolutely, which is great to hear. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. showing that he really is a franchise guy, but also the part where he said like really excited for the future and then got a really big grin and said, I can't talk much about the details of it, but I'm really excited. And yes. it's interesting because like, he wasn't just like smiling, like, Oh, you know, happy, like the team going forward. Like it seemed like there might be something brewing. Maybe we're just reading into it too much, but it was really interesting to me, especially that I can't mention the details thing that he said that it caught my eye, like immediately. And we were talking about beforehand, Dylan brought this up that Dort when asked about like, what's the goal, like going forward, like play in, like just continue to build this thing. He was like, no, we want to be in the playoffs and like, Mm -hmm. all right. So I don't know if something's brewing. I don't know if confidence is just an all time high. I don't know if, uh, Kreshke's like knee surgery is going to turn him into, uh, a superstar or something like that, but something's coming. Um, so I'm really curious, to see because there are a lot of options in this offseason. Uh, we've talked about before is this team too good to tank going forward? I personally think that it's gonna be hard for us to straight out tank again next year. So who knows? Maybe the front office is considering kind of not necessarily going for it, but like making some steps to kind of go that way. Yeah, and I, I could definitely see that. Um, you know, I mean, just looking at this year, you know, once again, it it really took sitting like you're probably eight to nine best players. Like it, it got to the point where you even had to sit Poku and sit Taylor Maladone and Isaiah Roby. Like you had to sit guys like that in order to really properly tank to where you get wanted to get to where you were at the end of the season. And, you know, if you look into next year, right now, we're projected at least a top eight pick, top 15 pick as well. And, uh, you know, pick 30 and a high second round pick. So, like, you have many pieces that you ha- um, that in the future that will, you know, help you build and help you be stronger going into next year. Uh, you got these young players, you know, this rookie class everybody talks about, Sam Presti batted a 1,000 on. They have a whole offseason. The first, like, not, not just them, like the other players on the team too. This will, for a lot of players on the team, this will be their first full offseason to really grow and develop and work on their games. So uh, I could definitely see everybody coming back and really stepping up and, you know, just pushing pushing them forward a little bit more on the level of competition continuing the race. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's exciting times in Thunderland. And, yeah, that, that Shea comment, you know, uh, a shameless plug. I wrote a piece today called Are We There Yet? talking about how close we are to the end of the tank. And I, I talked about, you know, what Shay's details might be. I speculated, you know, are we moving up in the draft? Are we going to go get Carl Anthony Towns? Or is, or is he just excited because we have a plan to go trade for Nikhil Alexander-Walker? Like, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, variations that, you know, could come into play and why Shay's excited and whatnot. But, um, I, you know, transitioning to my single large item, uh, my first big takeaway from that is Shay's comments about, him being happy here like he said um at one point you know i'm a way back person i'm chill you know i if i'm not happy about something you guys are gonna know about it that's not the case here 
I'm positive and I'm positive for a reason. Like that, I, I like that gave like that quote right there, just like just silenced all the blog boys, all the analysts in the summer that are like, oh, the Thunder are going to trade SGA because SGA is definitely tired of tanking. Like Shay said, you know, no, like Connor said, like, you know, they keep me in the loop. I talked to Mark. I talked to Sam. Like, I know the plan. I know the future. I see what's coming. You guys don't. Don't be saying what I want to do. I'm good here. If I don't want to be here, y'all are going to know about it. That's not the case. I'm here. So that's my takeaway. I was very pleased with how happy Shay was. And I'm also very pleased with uh, the joining onto the pod of a certain I can't even say all the names because I said it last time. I'm just going to call him Alex. Alex, welcome to the pod, my friend. What's up? What's up? How you guys doing? We're doing great, man. And Alex, we're we're talking about our single large item, uh, just like our main takeaways from the exit interviews. You know, Cohen talked about, um, you know, the, you know, looking for bigger goals next year, going into playoff or looking for playoffs, like Dort said, you know, what Shay could be saying about, I can't get into details. I talked about how Shay's just happy. Like, you know, he's not looking to get out like everybody says he is. So what is your takeaway, my friend? Um, so so my takeaway is what I really liked was the apparent synergy between front office, coaching staff, and players. Like Presty has laid a a groundwork and been very transparent within that laying of the groundwork um, that everybody understands what's going on. There's nobody out on this team that is, that is not necessarily going with, going with the flow of what's going on. Like everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows that this is a process. Um, And I just found it very refreshing that, as young as this team is, and you're looking all the way through coaching to players, everybody's mm-hmm. very young. Um, but they have they they understood the assignment basically. You know, they they're out here. They 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 got the memo from Sam Presti, um, and they know that this is going to be a long process. What long means, whether it's three years, whether it's next year, whatever but they're all in it together. And so for everybody that looks from the outside and says, Oh, you know, when is this team going to start winning or what are they doing? You know, this, this obvious tanking that they're doing, everybody understands what's going on. Nobody is jumping off the ship. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that just kind of, to me, just kind of very refreshing to hear that consistently throughout the day. Um, and, And I, and I don't necessarily think, I don't you know, I don't want to make it sound like Sam Presti met with everybody before exit interviews and said, hey, this is what you need to say. This, you know, these are the terms you need to be using. No, I do believe that there's been enough conversation amongst everybody that this is truly what they believe as an organization. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever guys go to different organizations, you know, if they get traded or, you know, they sign somewhere else, you know, they're going to take on the roles and values of that organization. But for now with everybody here, you know, I do believe that they're all on the same page. They're all on the same mission. And, you know, at the head of that has been Sam Presti being very transparent, being very commu- being very vocal and communicative to everybody underneath him to let them know what is going on. So 
I just thought that was that was awesome, and I think that bodes well for the future. Yeah, one word that was like very common in all the players' vocabulary uh, in the exit interviews was transparency. Like, you know, there's there's no hiding it. There's no hidden agendas or anything like that. Like, they know the vision. They see the vision. They're involved just as much as you know anybody in the front office. Like, it, it's from the top down. It's organizational alignment. So, yeah, I I'm, I'm definitely with you, man. That that was fun to hear. So. Uh, going to Moles here, and we'll we'll go back around one more time. Uh, Moles, what's your biggest takeaway from the exit interviews? I mean, there are a couple of little things that I'll hit on, um, just because you guys got the big ones. Um, Trey Mann expects to play in the summer league, so that's awesome. Um, really, really excited about that. Poku, we don't know yet um, if he's going to be in the summer league or not. Really hope he does. That that would that would be great for him building momentum moving into next year. Giddy um, also piggy- didn't roll it out. Right. Um piggybacking on what y'all said, I'll go with Baisley. I think as a whole, everybody kind of understands our goals here. There's been a lot of communication and clarity. I think we're building something really special here. Like Baisley, somebody who's kind of had a go of it this year. He's had really good moments. He's had really bad moments. He's gotten gassed up by the fan base. He's been crucified by the fan base. He's kind of, you know, gotten all the things this year. And um, the fact that he still seemed really upbeat, he seemed bought in. He, he, like you said, understood the assignment. You know, people understand the, where we're going communication and clarity right alongside transparency. I think that's important. Um, that's certainly in the DNA of what we do. And it's nice to know that that continues. Um, the last thing I'll touch on is uh, favors. Yet again, another uh, in a long line of veterans, you know, maybe not named Morris, who have really been uh, treated well by the organization that have bought into what we want to do that understand what their role is going to be. Um, he seemed like it was a pretty good experience for him coming to us. Now, granted, what, making $15 million, like I'm sure there are a lot of things that you'd be willing to endure uh, for like $15 million paycheck. But uh, I, I think, honestly, as we move forward, we've talked about it on the pod before. I think it's it deserves to be mentioned again the goodwill that we're building with our player relationships and the understanding of what that looks like throughout the league. Um, you know, I, I think like the mellow situation obviously didn't go as well as we wanted to, but like that was a pretty good situation for what it was all the way through Paul George, working with him, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, uh, getting Kimball Walker bought out so he could go to the, the Knicks. Like, that stuff matters. And in a small market, the way that you treat players and the way that you're perceived as an organization, that, that transparency, that communication, and that integrity, really, um, that hopefully will get us enough goodwill to be able to get that disgruntled star to come in eventually and to not be so disgruntled when the trade happens. And maybe that's what they're alluding to. I don't know. Maybe Presti already has something lined up and like there's somebody that's already like not publicly demanded out and it'll happen after the season's done. And maybe Presti kind of already has that lined up like what Chris Paul 
Chris Paul to Phoenix seemed like looking back, like that was pretty much a done deal. Um, you know, like a big chunk through the season. So Presti could already have something lined up. Uh, Shea's probably already reached out to whoever that individual is. And depending on how things finish up, like we could be ready to roll. Uh, so I got to guess up your article again. Um, you touched on it a little bit. If the balls don't fall our way, there may not be uh, as grim of an outlook for us moving forward. There still may be a star coming to OKC, and it may happen this offseason. We make our own balls. <laughs> All right. Yes, we do, Alex. Yes, we do. <laughs> Wonderful analysis, Alex. <laughs> um all right guys yeah we'll, we'll we'll do one more we'll go around on the on the exit interviews takeaway um uh i was listening back um uh, to the interviews you know they didn't stream it this year which i, I found weird like they didn't have it streaming anywhere so that you could watch live so you know all we really had was the transcript transcripts of everybody like all the beat reporters um, that was like listening to the Zoom or was at the exit interviews. So I went back and was listening to uh, Down to Dunk. Andrew posted the full like audio version of the interviews. And um, on Josh Giddy's, uh, I tweeted about this earlier. It, there was something interesting uh, that was talking about, you know, the the draft and you know if you're going to be paying attention to a draft. He's like, oh yeah, obviously, like for sure. Like there's there's a few players I have my eye on. And he's like, oh, can you give us any names? And, you know, he kind of laughed off. He's like, oh, no, I can't, you know, for obvious reasons or whatnot. But, you know, there's there's a few players I'd love to play with. And you can kind of hear in the background, somebody says, are you friends with Dyson Daniels? And he goes, that's a guy I would absolutely love to play with. And I was like, hmm, that's, that's, that's not nothing. Like, obviously, you know, they're both Australian. They both came up through the same uh, – uh, grassroots program what was it the uh, NBA Global Academy I believe is what it was um, so you know they both came up through that like they both had very similar um, ascensions to the NBA obviously Dyson went to the G League so that differed from Josh but you know G League NBL you know they're kind of you know they're not semi-pro but you know they're professional league that is you know a step below the NBA so kind of similar in that regard and uh, yeah I mean I just thought it was interesting because, you know, obviously we're looking at the guys at the top of the draft with our first pick, but in that Clippers pick, um, I wouldn't put us, I wouldn't put it past us to go get a guy like Dyson Daniels. I think he's got a lot of skills, you know, all around. I think he's, he's kind of a jack of all trades guy. Uh, he projects to be a really strong defender and a guy that can, you know, move the ball around pretty good. So I wouldn't hate it, but yeah, I just, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Josh kind of singled him out and was like very positive about it. What do you guys think? I mean, Dyson fits the mold that we've talked about of it kind of seeming like Presti's trying to build a team of guys that can handle the ball. Um, like mm -hmm. everyone that seems like a guy for sure on this team has some skill, whether it's handling the ball, um, making place for others. And so Dyson Daniels completely fits that mold. The Australian connection, of course, um, I could definitely see it. I could see us going and getting a guy like Dyson. Um, and yeah, I need to, after watch, after hearing of that stuff, I need to go watch, uh, more Dyson Daniels film. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think, um, 
I think he he just kind of seems like a smart player. Like it seems like yeah. a guy that really does fit this new age Thunder team that we're kind of talking about with a bunch of ball handlers, guys that can create plays for others to kind of keep opposing teams guessing. And he fits that mold perfectly. Yep, I like it. Colin, we'll, we'll go back to you, man. What's uh, what's another takeaway you had from the exit interviews? Um, I think I kind of just want to echo something that Maddie said. Really just – how like glowing everyone was obviously no one's going to go to exit interviews and be like this place sucks like it's not going to happen but like unless you're Russell Westbrook yeah unless you're Russ then you might um but you know different scenario different scenario um but Maddie maybe Morris did do that I'm gonna be honest I don't remember the Morris stuff Carmelo Um, (laughs) then sacrificing their everything no go ahead go ahead (laughs) yeah sure uh (laughs) but yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I think it really does say a lot about the organization where you have this season where like we sucked uh, over the course of the year and yet everyone kind of seems like super bought in and excited. And it just makes you really excited for the future of this team because it really does feel like everyone is really into this thing. It's not like people are like, oh, like I'm here for a little bit and then like I'm just going to get my paycheck and eventually I'll get traded to a contender like like Kenrich Williams, I believe, said, like, he reiterated, I would love to retire here. Mm-hmm. And as a guy who loves Kenrich Williams, I, too, would love for him to retire here. So hearing stuff like that, hearing, like, especially the veterans, like Derek Favors said he wants to opt into his player option so he can stay here. Um, I thought that was something that was pretty cool. Um, whether or not we, like, trade him or not, like, that's a completely different story. But the fact that he did say, like, like he could have easily said, oh, you know, I'm, like, evaluating my options. Like, obviously, like, I'm older, so I might want to go win. Like, he could have say, he could have said stuff like that. Uh, but instead, he straight up said, I'm going to take my player option, and I'm going to, in my eyes, be back here next season. So, yeah. I don't know. I think it just continues to speak to the reputation that I think the organization is getting as one that is super veteran friendly, even in a rebuilding stage between Chris Paul, Al Horford, a guy like Kenrich Williams, who loves it here, Derek Favors and like a lower extent. Um, Kemba Walker talked about how much he like really benefited from the communication with Sam Presti on the buyout situation and stuff like that. Um, Kelly Oubre said the same thing in his time, too. Yeah, Kelly Oubre, too. That's another guy, another he Thunder legend I forgot. He, he literally never set foot in Oklahoma City, but yeah. Yeah, but no, like hey. he was like, yeah, Presti was like very transparent with him, like, hey, we want to do what we think is best for your career. Like, you know, it's not yeah. gonna be benefit you to come here. Mm-hmm. Thunder legend. Um, but yeah, so just I don't know. It just we continue seeing these things where guys come here. It really feels like we're building a great culture. And that's something that I've really loved about this rebuild is that even though we're losing, like it's clear that something we're building towards something. We're not just losing for the sake of losing, which is I think something that a lot of like outside, like, like reporters and like fans, I think they see this and they're like, why is OKC just sucking? Like they don't really see what necessarily we're building and kind of the connections that the guys are building. That is very evident through like the exit interviews. And even in those games that, were meaningless at the end of the year where like 10 day guys were playing like like Shea, Baisley, Dort, like pouring water on Poku's head when he got the triple double, like getting mm-hmm. hype on the bench whenever Xavier Simpson would hit us like a, a hook shot, just small stuff like that, I think speaks a lot. And it really echoed in the exit interviews. Yep. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I've I've always been in like the camp of you know at, at Oklahoma City, we're never going to pull in, like, you know, the major marquee free agents or anything like that. But 
I think that just wait, just wait, just wait till we draft Bronny. Well, yeah, yeah, I, not yet. <laughs> yeah, talking disgruntled stars. LeBron didn't seem too happy. That's all I'm saying. Hey, well, yeah. Once you get LeBron here and he starts singing your praises, then you now the floodgates are open for her agents. But oh yeah, no, I, I think that you know if you would if you're like to trade for like a star or like you know a big time player, once they get here and kind of see how it is, it's like you know maybe they're not going to retire here. But like you know, I'll play out my contract here. Like there's nothing wrong with this. Like you know, it's 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 a good organization. It's a good culture, good fan base. Like. You know, no, no state taxes. Like, you know, there's, there's so many benefits that people don't think about until they get there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you, man. I mean, like, the culture's been, like, you know, they had to completely dismantle it um, after the whole Russ PG era and, you know, started anew, like, with the Chris Paul. And, I, like, credit to Chris Paul. Like, he, he played a strong hand in building, you know, being a foundation of that culture and, you know, falling from the top down, like, you know, what uh, Shea was able to learn from Chris Paul, and now he's passing it down to all, you know, all the teammates that he's had over the years. So, absolute man. You know, ho- hopefully uh, hopefully people start referring to Thunder culture in the same way they refer to Heat culture in the future. That'd be fun. Um, Alex, I'm going to go to you, man. What's your other takeaway from the exit interviews? Um, so – I guess one of the biggest things that kind of came out of that was the fact that I believe it was confirmed or maybe not that Sam Presti is going to go ahead and just pay the, uh, you know, pay the amount to reach the floor, the salary floor, yeah. and then give that to the guys. And that's, you know, for a team where your highest paid player only makes, I think it was Derek Favors only made like nine point something million. Like, for those guys to get 1.5 million each, you know, you're literally talking about somebody like Beat, who made 900,000. You know, now he's making 2. Point, well, you know, 2.4 million for the year. You know, just you know, just that little bit of hey, we appreciate what you guys did. Here's an extra 1.5 million. I wish somebody would appreciate me like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. I think it speaks to the culture. I think it speaks to. Um, I think it, I think it speaks to this just the general um, ethos of this team. It's just you know they're they're very family oriented. They're very you know look at the person, not at the player. And if you do your job, if you do what you're supposed to do, uh, then the team is going to go ahead and try to do right by you. And so I think this, even though it's a situation where you know any other year this probably wouldn't happen, but this year you know what it happened and they're going to do right by the players and they get a little extra Christmas bonus, I guess. So. Yeah. And uh, yeah, specifically Kenrich Williams and his basketball were very happy uh, when asked about that subject. Uh, I I did think it was funny that of all the players, Kenrich just, (laughs) he came to the exit interview and was just holding the basketball the whole time. Uh, That made me, made me laugh, made me smile. Um, But no, yeah, I, you know, whenever, you know, we got to this point, you know, we kind of all wanted that to happen, you know, to like spread out the salary to the other players. Cause like, you know, that'd just be a cool thing to do, like for the players, like help them out. But everybody kind of speculated and, you know, pretty much expected the Thunder to go sign a guy like, you know, like they did Gabriel Deck and, you know, spend all that money, you know, to reach the salary for. So, yeah, it, it was really cool of them to, 
you know, not do that and, you know, let them spread it out. Like, uh, I think Andrew was talking to Kendrick Williams, like, um, actually it's Alec. Alec was saying that Kendrick Williams' contract isn't even guaranteed. So, like, for him to get that $1.5 million, it's huge. Like, it, it helps out a lot. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. That was awesome. But uh, it's the, it's the, uh, the most guaranteed, non-guaranteed deal in the, in the league. There you go. D- double negative um, uh, contradiction. All, all the things. We like it. But, yeah, man. I mean, exit interviews was a good time. You know, like typically no news is good news, but I, I think this time we had news and it was it was still not even good news. It was great news. I don't think I don't think there was anything you could take away that happened yesterday that was bad. So uh, overall, just a great time for for Thunder fans yesterday. So moving on, you know, on the schedule, this was labeled as the season review pod. It's been a wild season, ups and downs, uh, fun times, sad times downright embarrassing times and we're going to talk about them in our season review uh we're going to stick with the one single large item and we're just going to kind of go around talking about some of our favorite moments of the season so uh, moles i'm going to go to you man what is your what was your favorite actually let's do it like this let's not go around in an order let's do a draft let's do a draft of our favorite moments for the season we could tweet out um, you know, the lineup, we'll each do like, let's do three moments. I, I don't think that's too hard between the four of us, 12 moments. So we'll do a draft of that and we'll tweet it out and we'll see who has the best lineup of moments. So Manny Moles, you get to kick us off, man. What was your um, favorite moment from the season? I'd say, gosh, it's been such a long season, but the logo three by Shay. Uh, the, the I'm him. Yeah. Like, it felt like in that moment, it was like, yep, he's our guy. Like, we we obviously extended him. We did all that stuff. But, like, in that moment, it's like, yeah, he's our franchise player, and he could be the number one option on this squad moving forward. That uh, – it's like, you know, it's really funny if you backtrack it. It was like a really long sh- uh, shot by uh, Damian Lillard, a bad shot, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> that kind of got us to this point. And then it, it seems like it's another one of those shots that says, okay, well now, you know, this is officially the new era of Thunder basketball. So I thought that was kind of a, kind of beautiful how that worked out. All right. Moles with I'm him at number one. Uh, that, that was obviously an amazing moment. Uh, you know, it, it prompted uh you know, Colin Shea him for one. Like, that's his, that's one of his nicknames. He gave us a million T-shirt ideas. And, I mean, it was just iconic, man. Like, I, I just remember the intensity in Shea's eyes as he's just pointing and yelling like he's so intense. And, you know, especially with, like, Shea being more reserved guy on the court, it was just really fun to see. So, great, great pick to start off the draft. Uh, we're going with Cone with pick number two. Then we'll go to Alex, and then we'll go back to me. And it's snake style, so I go back to back. So, Cone, what you got, man? Uh, I got to go with the Shea game winner against the Clippers. Um, the game where Giddy was so close to getting that triple-double the whole game. And then, like, I remember sitting uh, – watching with my dad, actually, because I was home from college for that. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like – my dad's like, would you rather, like – it goes to overtime here or they hit like a game winner and like send it or like 
you know, just send it home. I'm like, give me the game winner. I was like, Shea's going to knock this down. And lo and behold, ball gets inbound to Shea, hits the like step back. Not even like a step back. He just shakes Batum completely out of his shoes, spins him around, dr- drills the three. And um, it was just an awesome moment. That, I feel like that was another moment where it was like, like, damn, like, yeah, this is our guy. Like, I've always been someone who thinks Shea can't be the number one option for a few years now. But like, it's just one of those moments that reminds you, like, this is this guy's more than just like a young star in the making. Like, he's here now and he's going to be one of the best players in the league for a really long time. Was that the one where uh, where Josh Giddy had like the uh, the Draymond Green triple double with like double figures and rebounds and assists, but nine points? Yeah, or eight points he was at, like yeah, that. he was at nine points for like he yeah. like went into like the third quarter, I think, with like nine points or something, and just never scored again. Like yeah. Mark left him out there for a while, and he just he couldn't get it to go. Um, <laughs> but you know, we got a Shea game winner out of it, so we'll take it. Yep. Hey, that's that's a great pick, man. I'm I'm very sad. I was hoping that it might slip through the cracks, but it did not. So I should have known Connor was going to take a shade moment. That was my fault when I made the draft order. So there we go. Uh, Alex, uh, is your pick, man? Pick number three. I think I know what you're going to go. So let's let's see if I'm right. No, no, so, no, no. So the one that I'm going to pick um, is actually one of the most enjoyable kind of like situations that happened this year was when we came back on the Lakers um, from 26 down, but the, the FU slam dunk by Darius Baisley and then the, uh, the reaction <laughs> by Russell Westbrook. Like you want to talk about like, you know, the past and the future, like that was literally encompassed right there. So I, that moment, I, I truly love that moment. Like, you know, even though, even though it showed the immaturity of us, you know, but it's still like, it was an awesome moment. All right. I was a hundred percent wrong with what you was going to pick, but yeah. I that, mean, we got, I got, I got, well, we got three more choices right? or two more, right? So two, two more choices. Some, I, I, I might surprise you. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, I like it. I like it though. Yeah. That, that was a fun moment. And like, it happened so early in the season, people forgot about it. Like that was <laughs> That was legitimately like a talking point. I'm like first take and stuff like that. Like it, it was wild. I remember like uh, they addressed it post game. They addressed it in like you know the the days after in practice. But yeah, I, I, the thing that most stood out for me uh, stood out to me on that was Shea and Dort, um, you know, stepping in and trying to deescalate the situation. And, you know, just showing their leadership. So. Really appreciated that in that moment. All right. Well, you guys, uh, I mean, you guys left it there on silver platter. Um, I'm going to go back to back here. And ironically, these both happen in the same night. So I'm going to go Josh Giddy's triple-double uh, at the Garden against the New York Knicks, um, which he had, I believe, 28, 28 points, 12 assists. Um, I'm not sure how many rebounds I'll have to look at that. But also, I'm going to double up with uh, Trey Manns, uh, 30 points in the garden as well. So, uh, you know, obviously that that time when Shea was hurt going into the All-Star break, um, it wasn't the best it could be. And also, you know, Shea had kind of been going into a slump. So we this was really our chance to kind of see what Giddy can do, um, just having the reins. And 
he was a monster. <laughs> Three straight t- triple doubles at one point. Uh, this was one of them. Trey Man dropping 30 points. Just really seeing the young guys step in there, um, you know, in an iconic arena like Madison Square Garden, you know, not national television. I think we might have been on, like, what, NBA TV or something like that. So, like, it was kind of national television, but not at the same time. Um, Look at us go. Think, national I, national stage. Yeah. So, I, I, think we were, I think we were on Stream East, just like every other 81 games that I saw this year. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that, that's fair, 100%. Um, but, no, it, it was cool because, you know, our young guys got to show out you know, kind of on a bigger audience than, you know, they're used to seeing. And, you know, it, it showed. There was a lot of people talking about Josh Gideon and a triple-double. There was a lot of people talking about, wow, Trey Mann's a lot better than I ever would have expected. Like, you know, OKC's got a bright future with these guys. They don't even have Shea, and they just, you know, beat the Knicks by, you know, so many points in their own home, on their own home floor. So, yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back-to-back on that. I, I feel good about it. So, all right, Alex. This is. This I, hold on. I'm, I'm talking. Oh, hold on. I'm talking to. I'm talking to the judges right now. Oh. Um, that can that can actually serve as just one. So you have another one. So the the night in MSG serves as one. So that's the the package of Giddy and, okay. and Trey together. All right. Well, so hey. That's one. So go ahead and pick another one. I I will take that. I got I gotta I gotta fix that on my official scoreboard. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, if you're gonna give me that, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go. Hmm. This, this is flummoxed me. <laughs> uh. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, Shea's performance against the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, this is this is random in the grand scheme of things. I grant you that 100. percent But I remember coming out of the All Star break, Shea had put together you know these crazy games coming off of injuries. 32, 36, 37, 29, 33 points, 33 points. He did it against a variety of defenders, you know, like all these things, like 100%. And I remember going into the Bucks. it was like, okay, this is his ultimate test. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, on the perimeter and protecting the rim. Like, if he can get it done against those guys – then, you know, like Cone said, like, you know, I've also been saying, like, for a long time, like, but if you can score on those guys, if you can go out there and score 33 points, have 14 assists, eight rebounds, shoot 11 of 18 from the floor, three of three from three, and eight of 12 from the stripe, like, that's, that's superstar, man. Like, that is number one player on a championship team level. Um, I was just very impressed uh, the entire game. He was unafraid. You know, going right at Giannis on some drives, um, you know, just really just taking control of the game. Obviously, like we <laughs> we lost that game by like ridiculous margin. Uh, we lost by 27. So, you know, it, it's not the wins and losses that count for me, but just like just seeing Shea go in and have like just a marquee uh, performance, just something that can like he can really hang his hat on uh, really impressed me. So, yeah, I'm I'm going uh I'm going with the reach, just like my boy Sam Presti might in a draft, and I'm going with Shea versus the Bucks. And with that, Ooh. I'm going back to Alex. So back to me. Um, you know what? I'm I'm going to go ahead and choose. It's, it's going to be two moments, but they were very close to each other. Um, 
the uh, the Trey Man explosion quarter explosions. You know, one game twenty, mm-hmm. and then the next or two nights or two games later, twenty three in the second quarter against against what was the the best defense in the second half of the season, which is Boston. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pick the Trey Man quarter explosions. I think wow. they were both in the second quarter too. That feels right. Yeah. So, yep. All right. I like it, man. Yeah, the the 66 from 3 against Boston was just ridiculous. Like, and I think that, that fifth one he took from straight away and he threw his hands down like Melo used to. Like that was cold, mm. man. That was cold. All right. Yeah, I like it. All right, Colin, we're going back to you, man. What's your pick? All right. Um I'm gonna have to go with the Shea shrug. Um, hit that oh, three, man. the bu- the buzzer beater. Uh, I think it was over Russ too. It might have been for some reason. I want to say it was like a sidestep three, knocks it down, hits him with the like the MJ shrug all over Twitter. I use that picture like way too many times to count over the course of this season. Um, and yeah, just that was like in like the comeback, that was the big moment. Dylan's showing us he's wearing the Shea Shrug <laughs> shirt. So I'm surprised he didn't pick it. Um, yeah, but, that was whack of foresight on my part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was, that was just, again, one of those moments where it's like, wow, like this is, because that was where the real turning point. I think that gave us the first lead of the game, like in that comeback, or I think it at least cut like the deficit to something manageable. For some reason, I want to say it tied it up or gave us a lead. Um, but I think, I think we went into the fourth quarter down by one. Okay. Brought us down by one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought it brought it to pretty manageable, um, but just like the just the guts to pull that shot off, drill it. Um, Shea hitting buzzer beaters all season. And I remember seeing a lot of tweets before that game after our first few matchups where people were like, OKC might not win a game this season. And then Shea went berserk, hit that shot, and everyone was just quiet for a little bit, which was nice. So that was a big moment. And I feel like that really – that also got us a lot of national attention because, of course, it's against the Lakers. And seeing Shea do that on a big stage, I feel like got him and the Thunder kind of what we were doing a lot of attention. Yep. I and I don't have much to add to that except uh, Cone's running away with this draft right now. So <laughs> going to Maddie Moles, he's got two back-to-back picks. I feel so stupid for leaving off the Shea Shrug, but go ahead, Moles. So, okay, um, the the man one got uh, sniped from me, but um, I'm kind of picking piggybacking on yours. But the um, Shea scoring 29 or more points in 10 out of 11 games in a stretch of the season. Okay. Uh, what's even better about that is the fact that during that span, we only got two wins. Um, so it was like kind of perfect for us and actually 11 out of 13 games too. Uh, if you want to count the Boston man game, I think Shea had 31 in that, that game as well. So um, that, I think that was the time that really the rest of the NBA started to take Shea more seriously as a potential, uh, you know, top 10 player eventually with the ceiling. Um, I, I think that superstar wasn't necessarily a term thrown around for SGA before the season started. And then after that span, people were like, Oh yeah, obviously they're going to shut him down because, um, because he's way too good to tank. He's a 
you know, he, he's a superstar level type of talent with the way that he can create and get to the basket and just score with ease. So um, that paired with the fact that I think his, his uh, jumper really during that span blossomed a ton Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just getting in the lane. He was actually able to affect the game with space, which is going to allow Giddy to operate a lot more freely as well. So if Shea's a threat to be a catch and shoot type of guy, um, that could pair well with Giddy's skill set as well. So that I think it's not necessarily a specific moment, but that's a time in the season. If you like break it up into parts, <laughs> that was definitely like Shea's Shea's time. That was his chapter of the season. I, I'm pulling Kim Jong in the in the community. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, I, was, I was hoping so. Um, and these are all good moments, right? Yes. Or are these just like key moments in the season? Well, these are favorite moments. So I guess, you know, if a bad moment's your favorite, you know, go off. It's it's not my favorite. Um, <laughs> it's it's not at all. Uh, um, why? First of all, why couldn't Portland just beat us? I'll just ask that question real quick. <laughs> and then um, why do we have to beat Orlando? Why did, why did Teo have to just go bananas and we beat Orlando? Anyway, I know you guys weren't going to touch on that, but um, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say the uh, – I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'll just say the, the turn for Baisley this season. Um, he had a stretch where people were saying, okay, he's actually like kind of a core piece potentially moving forward for the team. I don't know if that's the case, but the stigma for him is kind of gone or the, a lot of the prejudice against him is kind of gone. I think people see him as a rotational piece in this, in this league. So um, his confidence uh, on, on the offensive side, being, being able to uh, take the ball in and, and make things happen in the paint, but also not being afraid to shoot it. And then when that's not working, he's still very, very active on the defensive end. And so like he's bought in. So I would say certainly um, Baisley. And in that span um, against Orlando, like Baisley had 18 points. And while that wasn't the, the greatest performance ever, that he, he definitely affected the game on both ends of the floor. So I, I'd say like, Baisley in that specific moment but overall for the season after like the first month he he really uh turned things around so I don't know I don't know if he's going to be a long-term piece for us but it was it was really good to see out of a guy that you know we we've, people crucified Presti for not taking what Brandon Clark we yeah. traded away uh the right to get Brandon Clark so Baisley like maybe his trajectory is much higher than Clark's now at this point so we'll see. Um, so I, I guess I'm pulling at that because everything else has kind of been taken. All right. I I have this uh, classified as the Bay's Awakening. So we'll we'll not we'll mark it down for you, man. All right. Let's let's see what Masterful Pit Cones got here to just blow us all away. And I've got two really good ones that y'all haven't done, and I got I can only pick one of them. <clears throat> I'll go with. I'll go with Dort's 14 against Dallas in overtime. Oh, yeah. When oh, Dort yeah. outscored Dallas by 
Uh, I think he outscored 14 to 13 by himself in overtime, scoring 14 of the 17. Um, That's right. Just kind of the like pinnacle of the Dort growth this season, offensively, especially um, showing what he was capable of on a stage where once again, I think a lot of people noticed because he came pretty close to breaking the record for most points in an overtime. Like, he was not that far off. Um, and so the fact that he was able to do it against like Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks, who have been a really good season, team all season, uh, just a really kind of encapsulates the way that Dort improved this year. Didn't Luka hit like a game tying three in that game to send it to overtime or something? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. From the top of the key, I think it was like, yeah. Oh, man. Good, good memory. I can't believe I forgot that. I remember being like, what the heck's happening here? It was the dude could not miss. He was, it was so supernova. uh, It was so great. People, I think the people on Twitter love Dort because everyone was going crazy for it. So shout out Lou. There you go, man. I I have it listed as the Dort teen in overtime. (laughs) That, that, that's a good one. Uh, All right, Alex, what you got for your last pick, man? Um, my last pick. Uh, I know there's a low-hanging fruit that hasn't been got yet, but I'm going to go with the second straight year of post-G League assignment Poku, culminating with his triple-double and then ending with Mark Dagnall saying, sit your ass down for the rest of the season. <laughs> That's like the best uh, compliment that he could get from his head coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I real quick on that uh, Dort fourteen in the fourth quarter. Oh no, 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 that's a different one. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Don't worry about it. I was looking at the wrong game. He had eighteen against Dallas early in the year. I was like, he only scored four points going into that game. He scored thirty in the game. I was thinking of never mind. But yeah, no, Poku, absolutely, man. Like. Uh, the whole triple double thing, like Moles was talking about, like, or no, like Cone was talking about, like, it was just fun, man. Like, you know, obviously we would have liked to lose that game, but, you know, Poku being able to get a triple double, I think he became what, like the something like 12th youngest player in NBA history to be the, yeah, to be the triple double. Ha! Yeah. I got that off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, that was fun. And, you know, just seeing his teammates rally around him, like, uh, it, it was truly like an iconic photo to see like Shea Bays, Dort, Trey Mann, Giddy, all of them just like come up and douse them with water. Like it was, it was just super fun. So, yeah. And then, you know, I mean, like we said, you know, when we was talking about are we too good to tank, like Poku, Teo, Roby, like those guys all had to be benched in order for us to, you know, lose out the rest of the season. So, yeah, it, it's a good pick, man. I'm going to go, uh, wish Poku. Poker triple-double leads to sit. Leads to sit. All right. All right, my last leads, pick. Leads, leads to sit your ass down. Well, I can't type that. but <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, my last pick. I, I think this is a low-hanging fruit that you're talking about. Um, it was against the Kings, our first game in the all-white unis. Uh, Dort stripping De'Aaron Fox, going down the other end, and and one way up to win the game. Uh, just, just really shows like 
a testament to Dort's defensive prowess because Fox struggled very early on in the year, yes, but he turned it around and he's still like one of the best, you know, young guards in the NBA. And for Dort to game on the line, just like pick his pocket like nobody's business and to go all the way down the other end, like I wasn't shocked when Dort picked Fox's pocket. I'll admit, I was shocked when Dort finished the layup and got and they called uh, the Kings on a foul, give him a chance to you know hit one more to end the game. So like you know, props to Dort. I've I've had my reservations on like did, did guess, they? Uh, what? No, I, I don't think they fouled him. Yeah, they fouled him. Pretty sure. I'll go back to the play by play, man. I'll do it. Oh, okay. I mean, no. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. My fault. No, you're good, man. It's top of thunder. They ain't no stealing it. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go back and look at it real quick. Buns have been really good this episode. I feel like. <laughs> oh, you you missed last time, man. I was on one. <laughs> well, at least I'm getting some of the strays. There you go. Yeah, it's. It, it's few and far between. I'm trying to see. Uh, this was a different game. God, this is this is brilliant podcasting. I'm sorry, guys. Good thing there's an edit button. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I will probably cut this out. Uh, I don't think it was an ad one. Dang it. I can't even find it on the play. Oh, never mind. Because it's not on there. No, because uh, <laughs> whatever you're on basketball reference, um, it has like one team on one side and you have to swipe over to see the other team. So I was like, mm. I'm just seeing what the Kings did. We didn't even play this game. But yeah, no, it wasn't an M one. Okay, so that takes it away. I don't want it to be my pick anymore. I'm just kidding. That's still my pick. It, it was a fun moment. So, Yeah. Blue Dort against the Kings, game ceiling defense, game ceiling offense. I like it. Um, yeah, so I will I will put together this graphic and put it on Twitter for you guys to vote Cone to win because he clearly did. <laughs> and you know, uh, you know, you know what? I'm surprised that nobody picked. Well, well uh, yeah, let's do some honorable mentions. What we got, Alex? I'm surprised nobody picked uh, Josh Giddy's first triple double. Yeah, that was a nice moment. Ever. It was a good moment. What about like uh, we we picked the New York one, but not his first one. Yeah, that's true. Well, what about you know like you know we talk about moments and you know a lot of these are like a whole quarter, a whole game, or like a few games. What about like specific moments like Trey Man's poster against the Lakers? That was yeah. Fun. Hey, so let's so so let's do this. Let's pick four moments, and then. Like let's do that'll be sixteen. Let's do like a like a bracket type thing. Okay. All right, I like it. Well, I guess it's my pick then. Dang it. Um, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna take Shay just breaking Dejounte Murray's ankles off. That was yeah, that, that was nice. That that's my pick. Uh, I mean. I mean, like I was saying earlier, like Shay was doing it against a multiple variety of defenders you know, specifically in his post-All-Star game stretch. But DeJounte Murray, like his reputation as a defender, the step, the leap that he's taken this year um, in and of itself, uh, 
the contingency of fans saying that DeJounte is better than Shea. You know, just, just all the things for, like, Shea to just drive in and, like, send his butt to the floor and drain the jumper uh, just gave me so much vindication. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going Shea, Shea breaking DeJounte's ankles. Uh, so, back to you, Alex. What you got, man? Uh, so I, I just I, before before I say my, you know my pick, I just want to say that um, currently we are changing the name of the podcast to Topic Pelicans. Topic um, because we're all Pelicans fans for the next two days. So that's all. I, that's all I got to say. So on that. So my moment, since I said it, I'm just gonna go ahead and say, Josh Giddey's first triple double, making him the the youngest player to get a triple-double in the NBA. But that's a game, man. We're talking about moment, like like a singular that is a play. Mo- well, then the moment you want to talk that about the rebound the that he double. got? <laughs> yeah, the, the moment he got the triple-double. <laughs> okay. That, that's fine. I'll put I mean, Josh, that's Josh like, his first triple-double triple, triple ceiling well, rebound. There you go, yeah. All right, I like it. I like it. All right. Uh all right, Cone. Blow us out of the water, man. What you got? <laughs> there are a few I'm deciding between. Um hmm, what do I want to pick. Um I think I'll I'll go with um Trey Man's poster on now which post the question is which poster dunk do I want to go with? Um I'll go with the one on Wayne Ellington like against the Lakers yeah. when Trey Mann dunked on him. Um, there's also the Garrett Temple one, but I'll pick the Wayne Ellington one because, you know, against the Lakers and that whole thing. Um, but, yeah, just once again, another moment where I feel like we got national attention because people were like, oh, my God. And I think Trey Mann said after the game, like, he didn't dunk once in college, and then he just pulled that out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of those moments where it's like, oh, my God, Trey Mann, like – we knew he could create shots and stuff like that, but like that athleticism that he showed, um, we didn't get a lot of poster dunks this season, but Trey gave us two really good ones. And I think that Wade Ellington one was probably my favorite. And they freaking came yeah. out of nowhere too. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. He was just was... like dribbling up. It was like, not even like some crazy burst. He's like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to dunk on this guy real quick. Like the, there were two, there were two WTF moments in the season. That was one of them. The Wade Ellington dunk. And then the second one was the shade. Uh, logo three yeah yeah i like it um <laughs> all right moles moles said that he is uh he's bowing out on the draft so we can each we, we can come together for this last one for moles we, we could do moles a solid and give him one um we, we could give him the trade man over to garrett temple um ooh, we could give him a josh getty pass What's uh what's the most iconic uh, Josh Giddy pass to happen this year? Ooh, I think the, I think the um, cross court inbounds one was a really good one. Um, yeah, once again against the Lakers to Baisley, I believe it was. Yeah, I was about to say, um, was it the Baisley for a corner three? Yeah, that one was up there. Um, I also the one I where mean, the one where he directed Kenrich to the basket by just like moving his eyes with his eyes. at the end of a game. Yeah, also that a really good, good one. Yeah. The straight up did the eyeball <laughs> was that against the Mavs? I think that one was also against the I, I Mavs. Think that, I think it was. I think that was, was in that yeah. door. That might have been against that Dort game. Yeah, that was to tie the game or something like that. I think. Oh, what hmm. about the uh, what about the play where um, 
Giddy was the inbounder, and uh, they was going to inbound it. And somehow Shea ended up all by himself next to the basket um, against <laughs> against the Grizzlies to end the game. Also a good one. Um, yeah. Another thing that came to mind, this isn't Giddy, but Trey Mann, like that steal he got in Jokic in the behind-the-back pass to Aaron Wiggins in transition. Oh, yeah. You saw that live. Yeah, exactly. That was why it came to mind. That was another one when I was thinking about the Trey Mann poster. I was like, should I do the poster or that moment? Because I saw it live. But I went with the poster because I get not everyone saw it live. So That was so fun. Um, he did that to somebody else, too. He stripped a big man, went down the court, behind the bat, passed it to somebody for, for a slam. I don't remember who it was he passed it to and who he stripped it to. Huh. It'll come back to me eventually, but right. <laughs> moles, you 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 got your you got your uh, pick of topics there, so we'll we'll let you decide later on in the pod. But moving on, um, talking about the draft. Hey, Go hey, ahead. so I I think I think this would be a great time for a message from our sponsor. Oh, we've got a mineral this week. Okay, cool. Incurring debt is one of the staples of adulthood. Believe me, I know. You know, from the start of, you know, going to college, moving out of your house, starting your own family, um, all that leads to incurring debt. Um, And paying down debt can be very stressful, you know, because basically everything has to go right. You have to find other forms of income, other flows of income uh, to try to go ahead and and, and bring that down. Um, And it's very difficult to do, you know. you sometimes you start to juggle multiple credit cards, multiple payment dates, um, and it can be very arduous. Uh, but if you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. Uh, that way you'll have one, just one due date a month, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you, uh, so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It won't affect your credit scores and you could save money in the process. Are you ready to apply? Head over to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. <laughs> Look at Alex go. He's on top of shit. No, Code, last, last week I was like, we'll get right into that after a word from our sponsors. And I paused and I was like, Alex, we got a mid-roll this week? He goes, uh, no, we do not. <laughs> <laughs> so good great great podcast moment yeah absolutely all right guys well hey uh you know the draft's coming up obviously um we did our collective big board um last pod me alex moles and jerry um we're we have dolan's big board his one to eight and cone's going to give his one to eight big board but before we do that um alex kind of touched on it you know we're rooting for the Pelicans. This is top of Pelicans for the next couple of days. And the reason being is the Pelicans defeated the San Antonio Spurs tonight in the play-in. 
Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves defeated the Los Angeles Clippers last night in the play-in. So the Pels will be playing the Clippers tomorrow night. And if the Pelicans beat the Clippers, our unprotected Clippers pick jumped from 15 all the way to 12 Whoa. into the lottery. So uh, there is there is very it's high a, implications. It's a beautiful thing right there. Yep. Yeah, I'm 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 very excited about it because then we're going to expand our big board down to 12 because you know four spots is much smaller than seven spots. So, but hey, yeah, we, we've got our top eight big board best to follow us. Our pick can fall. Um, just a reminder, um, I tweeted about it. Our cumulative big board. You know when you add up the position of all the players taken. Um, this is what it's looking like right now. Number one, we've got Chet. Number two, Jabari. Three, Paolo. Four, Jaden Ivey. Five, AJ Griffin. Six, Jaden Sharp. Seven, Jalen Duran. And eight, Keegan Murray. So, before we get into cones, since Dylan's not here, I'm just going to quickly run through his big board and we'll let Cone present his all dramatic like. Uh, so, for Dylan's big board, Everybody knows and loves Dolan. He uh, he likes to be different. <laughs> he likes to go for some shock value here. So his big board, he got Chet number one. No surprise. <clears throat> He's talked about you know him having the highest ceiling and also taking the longest to be ready because Dolan, spoiler alert, wants to tank again next year. Uh, and then number two, this is where he gets wacky. He was asking us in the chat how high can I put this guy without looking like a crazy? And he decided it's number two, A.J. Griffin for Stephen Dolan at number two. Uh, then he's got Jabari Smith Jr. and Paolo Bencaro at three and four. Shaden Sharp and Ivy at five and six. And then Keegan Murray and Benedict Matherin. And then he wants to know, guys, is he edgy? So, um, Dolan, I think you're pretty edgy having A.J. at two, but we'll talk more about it. But now we got to get it in the Cones top eight big board. And, Cone, I'm just going to give the reins to you, man. You can just read them one through eight. You can give as much or as little explanation as you want to do. Yeah. Um, I will be honest, mine really doesn't vary that much from kind of the collective one, which I guess makes sense if it's like a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Chet one, I think. His rim protection, his defense, I think with him – Coming into the fold of things, I really think his ability to stretch the floor, it all fits exactly what we need on this team. I really don't have a lot of concerns about frame. I feel like frame concerns are kind of overblown when you have the best trainers in the world um, on a basketball team. Like you've got like such great nutritionists and trainers. And I really think just, I think Chet's going to be fine. I think his technical skill way outweighs the frame issues. I'm really not worried about him at all. I think he's going to be a monster having someone defensively down low and just finally having like a real center, like a seven footer would be great. So I've got Chet two for me is Paolo. Uh, I like his offensive game. His defense kind of leaves a little bit to be desired sometimes, but I think we've done the best at, or we've done a really good job of getting the best out of team of like players defensively having a top 10 defense for part of this year, despite not really having a center, I think is a big kind of it really showcases how we can really get the best out of guys and I like Paolo's defensive upside a lot offensively he um maybe this is just the Duke comparison but he reminds me a little bit of Tatum coming out of college um not quite as prolific but a lot of the stats kind of lined up and I feel like 
Um, he's a little more post focused than maybe a Tatum is more of a mm-hmm. four than like Tatum's probably more of a three slash four. But overall, I think Paolo once again would fit this team really well. He's not exactly a center, but in this draft, I think he is the second best player. Three, I've got Jabari Smith. Uh, I am worried about Jabari compared to the other two. I think he's got a lot lower of a floor. I feel like Jabari could, or, or maybe I guess just maybe like, I feel like there's a lot, there's too much variance. I could see Jabari being like a superstar, or I could see him being like a solid three and D guy, which of course is great to have. But when you're picking top three in a draft, like he just worries me a little bit, not as good as getting into the paint and stuff like that settles for a lot of threes, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because he's really damn good at shooting threes. Um, I just kind of worry just having him be a non-factor or trying to break down the defense, which is kind of something that we've really preached on this team is getting guys that can attack and break down the defense. A little bit of a worry for me there, but overall, I think if he can figure that out, he might end up being like one of the best fits in this entire draft for the Thunder in particular. So I have Jabari Smith three, four, I have Jay Nivey. Uh, I think he's electric. It's a shame we don't need any more guards. Maybe we could put him on like Poku's shoulders or something and make a center out of the <laughs> two of them. Uh, I think that's something a joke I've made on here before, but it's been a while, so I'm going to make it again. Um, I like Jay Nivey's game Poku a Ivy. lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alex A. Poku Ivy. Um, there you go. <laughs> but just Jay Nivey, like, a lot of people say they kind of remi- he kind of reminds them of like John Morant, and I see it a little bit, but I don't think he's that, as good of a playmaker. Really, I just think his mm-hmm. at, like explosive athleticism is John Morant esque. I think I don't think he's going to be as good as John Morant, but I think he is going to be an electric player in the league. He just kind of feels like he has it to me whenever I watched him play over the course of his college career, which isn't something that's tangible. It's just a random gut feeling that I have. But I think that whoever gets Jay Nivey at four, he could end up being a steal falling that low. Five, I back and forth on this. It's tough with Shade and Sharp. Um, I think five, I'm going to go with AJ Griffin uh, because um, so I've been decently true other than one switch in the middle to the big board right now. But AJ Griffin, I really think his – I've talked to a couple draft guys um, that I know um, kind of closely, and a few of them have said that AJ Griffin like might have the biggest star potential in this draft, like the biggest potential to come out and be a franchise player. Um, his shooting is insane, which is exactly what this team needs. It is tough because he's kind of a three, and we've got a lot of guards and wings, and we need a big, but his shooting would be incredible on this team, so I've got him there. Shaden Sharp, I think, is probably the big – like easily the biggest wild card in the draft who I've got at six. Um, maybe he could maybe even slot to five and AJ Griffin could move down. I just honestly haven't looked at him enough. And I really don't know how much to take from like high school tape, not playing in college. Uh, this is all, of course, assuming he does enter the draft, which we don't know for sure yet. But I think Shane Sharp is, um, I think he's going to be really good whether or not he stays or goes. If he is projected to be a top five, six pick, I assume he goes into the draft. I don't think he would risk it. So I having him there um, seven, I am going to have Keegan Murray uh, just kind of an, another guy that I think would fit this team. Well, uh, can shoot the ball kind of, he like, he's pretty gritty. And I feel like he's a guy that really fits kind of this thunder culture that we're building. And then Jalen Duran at eight, uh, just an also honorable mention to Benedict Matherin as well. Great player. Um, but Jalen Duran, I've been, I've said it a million times. I just want a lob threat on this team so bad. 
And Jalen Duran fits that perfectly. Um, he might not have quite as much upside as some of the other guys, but I really could see Jalen Duran's ceiling being like a Bam at a bio type player. I feel like he's got kind of an underrated playmaking to his game that I think could be unlocked. He's got a decent mid-range shot. He shot the same percentage roughly as Bam out of bio did in uh, college. So there is like kind of a path there for him to become a better shooter i'm not expecting him to step out and take threes or anything like that which is a little bit of an issue because we need spacing but i think just having him as a threat to lob and just being a guy who can operate out of the high post in terms of like like an al horford type role like dribble handoffs and stuff like that i think would be super valuable to this team so i've got him there all right hey i like it man i mean it's like you said it doesn't vary too much from the uh consensus big board and you know, just kind of looking at yours and Dolan's rankings, um, the changes I can see without calculating them, I think Chet is definitely going to stay number one on the consensus big board because you and Dolan both had him one. Um, I think that Dolan having A.J. Griffin number two and you having him um, five, which five is pretty consensus with most of us, but that might jump Ivy on our big board. <laughs> AJ Griffin might move up to number four. No one's boosting him up. I should have put like I should put like a Keegan Murray one to really mess things up. Oh yeah. yeah. The agent of chaos, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, I also uh well with you and Dolan both having Keegan at seven, he might jump Duran in our rankings too to go to seven and Duran at number eight. But yeah, I like it, man. Um I, I do want to mention about Shaden Sharp. So yesterday they did announce that he is entering the draft. He's testing the waters, but as of right now, he's maintaining his college eligibility. So, um, you know, he very well could stay in the draft, but until he does, that's what he's doing. He's testing the waters and maintaining his college eligibility. So, uh, until until he does, he keeps a star by his name. Absolutely, I, I think part of the part of the ability to do that is the fact that he's not hiring an agent yet, right? Yeah. So that's that's the other back into the the report so um obviously if he hires an agent we know which way that's going to go and we should probably get more clarity on that with the next couple weeks yeah i think june 1st is the deadline to pull out of that but yeah it'll be interesting to see because you know obviously that that helps the thunder if sharp is in the draft obviously because you know it gives another you know high ceiling guy that you know you could have on your team but it also, you know, gives another high ceiling guy that another team might want if you are to fall, like, past top four. Like, maybe somebody wants to reach for Sharp and then, you know, a player that you want falls to you because of that. So, uh, it would definitely help out the Thunder if Sharp is in the draft. But I don't know, man. I, 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 I just – until he hires an agent and, like, stays in the draft, like, I based on everything that I've heard – throughout his time at Kentucky. I just – I don't know. I, I think that he's going to come back. So, that's that's just my thought. That's my thought process, and I haven't haven't shaken off of that. But, yeah, Cone, I um, I wanted to ask you about this, Cone, because, you know, I kind of talked to the guys about it, but there was uh, Albert Gim, one of the guys um, – he's actually the co-host of the Draft App podcast with Corey Holaba. You know, one of the one of the draft guys we talked to, uh, they're gonna be coming on here in the next couple of weeks. But in the no ceilings mock draft, you know, they did it based on where the draft odds are. So we picked number four. 
Um, I don't remember the order, but Chet Powell and Jabbar were gone, and we got to four. And Albert took Keegan Murray at number four. How do you feel about that? It's interesting. I do like Keegan Murray's game. Um, <laughs> that sounds like something Sam Presti might do, um, mm-hmm. just being like like shocking all of us on draft night and going ahead and picking uh, Keegan Murray. I do think he's really good. I don't know. I just part of me worries about like the ceiling compared to some of the other guys. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see what we do at four if that is the pick we end up because I mean like I feel like it's pretty consensus in whatever order you want them. Chet, Paolo, Jabari are most like people's top three. And being four, like a lot of people think it's Jay Nifeby, but obviously we've got so many guards. What do we do? And so I think that's, I think it's going to be really interesting if it does kind of match out like that, like the draft odds, which it never does. So it won't, but theoretically, even if it doesn't match out for other teams, if we end up at four, you know, like what, I don't know what it's going to look like. Cause it's, it could be like a Keegan Murray. Maybe we shade and sharp is in the draft and we're like, this is a chance to get a potentially really good prospect that other teams like might snag later on, but let's go ahead. Let's take that shot. And I could see us doing something like that. Um, I think um, agent Griffin's not out like of the picture. I don't know. I think it's gonna be really interesting. I think if we do end up in that four spot, I would imagine that Presti really tries to trade up. Um, what that takes or if it is possible, Mm -hmm. I would assume it's probably going to be, it would probably be easier this draft um, just because theoretically we would have pick four rather than pick six, but also because I feel like it's not as like stacked, like technical, like according to like the experts or whatever as last draft was. Uh, But I think four is that really interesting spot. Cause if we fall to like five, then Jaden Ivy probably goes four. And then we've got our pick of whoever we want there. But if we're at four, like, and we can't really trade up. Do we maybe like even trade down a spot because we don't want to pick Ivy or do we just secure our guy? Uh, so four, I think four would be the most like interesting in terms of like scenarios, but in terms of my mental health and my stress, let's go for one, um, you know, maybe two if the Clippers end up in the lottery, let's have a crazy sequence where they end up and we get two top two picks and we're all good. We don't have to talk about any of this. <laughs> That's, I, that, would, that would be amazing. <laughs> I, I saw on Reddit, like, um, as, as one does, if you do venture to Reddit, um, somebody brought up the idea of maybe Presti trading down. And while that's interesting, Presti likes, uh, obviously he likes to acquire assets and he likes to get value. Russell Westbrook was considered a reach. Uh, James Harden wasn't necessarily considered a slam dunk at three in that class. Um, uh, Ricky Rubio, uh, what Tyreek Evans was in that class too. Um, and then obviously Steph Curry, like there are other guys that you could have talked up to be ahead of Harden. Um, Presti just kind of in that moment, doesn't get too cute. He just takes this guy. So now with Giddy, we thought it was a reach, but turns out, uh, one pick later, the golden state warriors were going to take Giddy and how much of a freaking nightmare would that be today? Um, looking at that. So yeah. um, I, I don't think that Presti would get too cute moving down to try to secure a guy um, just because I haven't seen that historically, but last year he tried like hell to move up to like two um, to get Evan Mobley. And that obviously didn't happen. Nobody was willing to budge. Um, 
we tried to move to three to get Mobley. It didn't happen either. And that, that's where Mobley ended up going. But um, right. I, I think that if, if it does fall that way and we are at four, Presti's again going to be pushing everything in the table to try to move up unless he's like absolutely fine with the top four guys that he has on his board. But I just don't see him moving down. I just haven't seen that historically. Yeah. And like, uh, I, I, uh, he did trade down a little bit for Darius Baisley. You know, that's like one example of him trading down, but that was also later in the draft. So, you know, the prospects a little bit closer and, you know, there, there seems to be consensus on like, you know, not necessarily the order, but the, I guess the tier of like the top 14 players. But once you get to 15, like I've heard many analysts say like 15 to 35, like <laughs> whoever you're taking, like, sure, man, it makes sense. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I can see, I can see us trading down. I can see us trading up. I can see us, you know, De- depending on like before, I guess before yesterday's comments, I see us trading out, like and you know, like stacking up assets for next year and like really trying to make a run for, you know, put us, put ourselves in a position to get Wimby. Um, but I, I don't see that happening now. Um, Kona, I wanted to, I wanted to tell you about my, uh, I guess my fan fiction that I have. I, I told the guys last year, you know, we get four, we draft Ivy, we try him out. He doesn't work necessarily, but, you know, he's still got crazy talent. He's still crazy young, and he's still got a big name and recognition, and we're able to tr- package him with all of our other first and move up to get Victor Wimbanyama. <laughs> I mean, it would be so interesting to see because, like, Victor is like a generational-type prospect. Mm-hmm. So it would be really interesting to see – like say we end up with like pick like three or four, what package Sam Presti would have to offer to even get them to think about it. Like, I think that's, if something like that happened, I would, even if it doesn't happen, I would love to like hear like what those talks would look like. Cause mm-hmm. I think Sam, Sam Presti could be like, yeah, take Ivy, take this young guy, take this young guy. And here's like 19 picks and let's make this happen. Like, yeah. I don't like- know. Maybe maybe that's the details that Shay's talking about. Is like, listen, we're gonna move heaven and earth to get Victor Wembanyama in Oklahoma City, <laughs> and that would be a fun thing to what, have. Man, I, the Presty has a has a pretty good like French pipeline going on, like between Maladon, between Sar, between um, who yeah, else? Who else was? Yeah, Jalen Horde. Tabo wasn't. No, yeah, Tabo is Swiss. Swiss, he's Swiss. Oh my bad. Yeah, but but I mean, even like you know, you put up you put up that tweet about um, Olivier Sar's brother. Yeah, who looks a lot like him, but he's sixteen. So if you're able to, you know, if you're able to go ahead and get a lot better than your older brother, you know, at the same age that he's in the NBA now, you know, who, who's to say he won't be a, a a blue chip prospect coming into the draft, you know, his draft, um, you know, so we already have kind of like that pipeline and, and, you know, the agent for Wimbayama, even though it doesn't matter, I mean, it's all going to matter about where we draft, but, you know, even though we still building that, you know, we're still kind of like building that relationship with the beginnings of the relationship with Wimbayama because his agent is the same as Jalen Hordes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, 
you know, it's, you know, it's just, it's just something that's very interesting to me and seeing all these kind of connections happening. And it all started with Tony Parker. So, you know, Presty has a lot of history with him. It's just not checkers, man, but yeah. 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 yeah I mean, when it comes to Wimbanyama, I mean, I, I referred to him in the article, um, a generational unicorn Demogorgon type player. So from now on, that is, that is what I will be referring to him as. Um, but yeah, man, it's, uh, Exciting times, you know, the the big thing to look forward to right now is just what happens in that Pels Clips game. And I guess we could just briefly talk about that because it does directly affect us. You know, um, I put out the question today, like, you know, who root for between the Spurs and Pels, and everybody's saying Pels because of how they match up with the Clippers. And I was even talking with Moles before we started the pod, and Cohen, you, you probably have, like, a better feel on this than anybody else. But, like, I, I feel like the Clippers are a bad – I mean, the Pels are a bad matchup for the Clippers. It's going to be interesting. Um, I really do think the Pelicans have a shot. The biggest word for me is Tyron Lue. That dude can coach his butt off, and it's it's going to be a fun one. I do think that – the Pelicans can give them some problems because they're super gritty, especially defensively. Like you've got Herb Jones to guard Paul George. Uh, you've got Brandon Ingram. CJ McCollum had a crazy game uh, tonight and they really don't have necessarily great guard defenders um, to put on him. So I think it's going to be a really fun one. I'm praying the Pelicans could pull it out. There would nothing in this world for the next couple of days would make me happier than getting a notification that Zion Williamson is questionable for that game or event. And then <laughs> it's not going to happen. He did throw down a windmill dunk in warmups today, which was awesome, but it will not happen. But I, will I still pray the next couple of nights that it will happen? Absolutely. Um, I do think they can give him some problems. I think it's going to be, I, I, the Pelicans, maybe this is just the th- very hopeful thunder fan of me, but I really do think the Pelicans can pull it off. I definitely think them winning over the Spurs, like the Pelicans have so much of a better chance. I don't think the Spurs would have stood a chance to take down the Clippers. So, so. I, I just, just want to see. Oh, go ahead, Alex. Hold on. I, I, I just want to see Zion Williams, you know, hark back to Willis Reed, you know, in, in game seven or game six of the finals with the New York Knicks, where he comes out, he takes off his, his warm up and, He's got that bulky knee. He only scores two points, but you know he he galvanizes his team to win. Like I, I, I would love to see that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, they can get a lot of quality fouls out of him for sure. Um, no? Wondering though, like looking at the Clippers, they have some they have some guys that could do work, but like Valanciunas could absolutely tear them up, right? Like. He could give them a 30 and 15 night because they have no big man to be able to, to slow him down. And he, he can space. I mean, he doesn't, I mean, they he doesn't just hog the paint, man. Come on. You, <laughs> you ain't, you ain't stopping him with, with Zubas. Come on. Like I mean, it, a big body. Only worry right. is that they did a great job of scheming for cat yeah. um, this last game. So We'll see. Because, I mean, Valanciunas, of course, he's not as good as Cat, but he plays a similar game. He shoots threes. He attacks down low. He's a bit more physical than Cat, though, so I think that could definitely factor mm-hmm. into things. 
that's like what I was saying. Tyron Lue is the thing that worries me. Like all season, it was like the Clippers are missing this guy, that guy. It didn't matter because Tyron Lue is their coach, and that dude is just great at his job. So, hey, yeah. but, but hey, Paul George, game seven in a game seven. This is basically a game seven. <laughs> you know, win, win or go home, and you you never know what you're going to get from Paul George in a win or go home scenario. He did he did pretty good last season. Don't get me wrong. But we've seen scenarios where, you know, he's he's put up a six for twenty six night, you know, on a on a defining game. So we'll see. Yeah, I just I think you know, even if the Clippers are able to take away Jonas Valanciunas, like you still have CJ McCollum, like you were saying, you still have Brandon Ingram. Like I mean, you you still have like offensive, like not just contributors. Like you have offensive weapons um, out there to, you know, go out there and get you buckets because as good as the Clippers did against Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards and freaking D'Angelo Russell destroyed them. Like, they just lit them up. So, I, I could still see them having a good game. And apparently – oh, sorry. Apparently, Herb Jones, uh, like, you know, obviously I didn't need to watch the game, but just, like, seeing on Twitter and everything, Herb Jones had a really good game defensively, like, show – Showed by all NBA defense potential. So he's so nice. He gives me a lot of like McCall Bridges type vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping he takes that matchup against PG personally and just shuts him down. Cause I think if you shut down PG, like you kind of shut down the team at this point. Hypothetical question. If they had a bot in Zion, who would you take the Pelicans or the Grizzlies? Because I think that both of those teams are very comparable with a bot in Zion. Contributing like the 27 points per game or whatever he did for a stretch last season. I yield to Kellen here. (laughs) Yeah. um, I think I'd need to see them like in a full season. I think Zion, like this team with the, for the Pelicans, like you've got CJ, Herb, Ingram, Zion, Valanciunas is a crazy five you've got there. Um, not to mention like they like they've been so good at finding talent, whether it was Herb or like Jose Alvarado, who's been great for them defensively in the backcourt as well. They've got like uh Larry Nance was a pickup that they got, Trey Murphy, if he can find his three and D potential. They're really that's a really fun team. I think the depth of the Grizzlies would de- I would still definitely take the Grizzlies just also because they've played together longer. But next year, if like they get a fully healthy Zion back and more like another year of development for these guys to like grow and learn together, the Pelicans are going to be really, they're going to be like a wild card out in the Western Conference. Yeah. And Brandon Ingram, I think the step that he's made forward, um, mm-hmm. he's playing physical too. Like when he came in the league, he was pretty lanky guy, could get pushed around. He was bullying the Spurs in the paint tonight and mm-hmm. he was getting whatever he wanted because of his length. So, I don't know, like that. It's just crazy that Zion's not bought into that team because I think they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of really solid pieces on that squad. All right, guys. Well, hey, you know, by the time you guys hear us again, the Bells game will be over. We will know for sure what the Clippers' uh, pick odds are going to be, not necessarily their pick, because if they go in the lottery, then there's a chance that thing goes up in the top four. So that would be awesome. Um, but repay us for last year after yeah, the heartbreak of last year. We're freaking due, man. We're freaking due for something good to happen to the Thunder fan base. <laughs> like, Very due. It needs to happen. But 
Um, guys, we're going to close on this segment we haven't got to do in a while, and it's uh, Share Your Name, man. Cause you had a bad day, you take it one down You're feeling good, like I should When in dark I walk around the neighborhood Feeling blue Be a great day. Let's talk about some good and bad that's happened. And uh, if you guys aren't ready, I can go ahead and go um, while you guys think of yours. Um, so Monday for the week, uh, Chelsea took Slade and AJ uh, with her sister up to Ohio this weekend to go to – it was like a Legoland Discovery Center. Um, you know, they had a great time and everything. But on the way up there, um, one of the tires on our brand-new van that we got in January – just completely blew out and oh, so no. yeah so we had to we had to get a jackrabbit up there to you know i mean me like i'm i'm like two and a half hours away i can't do anything about it i'm just i'm sitting here with nova and so i'm trying to make a million phone calls to get somebody to go up there and fix it we finally got a jackrabbit up there to change out the tire and everything so i mean they was all good nobody was hurt or anything like that but yeah it wasn't it, it wasn't a good feeling being so far away and the only helpless so yeah that's that's definitely my name for the week um my shave for the week just simply um uh the past three days at work i just i've got off super early like um it's been raining so yeah it's hard to build houses in the rain i guess so there's not a lot of material going out so yeah i've i've got off at like 2 2 30 3 o'clock every day and i'm usually working anywhere from 4 30 to 6 30 so yeah, that, that's my show for the week. Uh, let's go to let's go to Cone first. Cone, what's your show in there for the week, my friend? Yeah, so uh, show for the week is probably uh, it's been a while since I've been in the pod, so I don't I haven't mentioned it on here, but I sprained my ankle pretty bad a couple weeks ago. Um, of course, it was like I was hooping, and it was like I was about to leave because I had to like be somewhere but i had like a little bit of wiggle room time and i was asked like do you want to play one more and i was like yeah sure i'll go for it and then <laughs> of course that was um i had like this beat up kind of ankle brace and so i didn't wear it because it was kind of broken and it's this ankle i've sprained a few times now and i just came down on it wrong and it was like a second i came down i was like yep i'm done so Man. couldn't really walk very well for a few days um and then now I've got this really nice ankle brace, which is good and stuff, but I'm finally uh, over the last few days getting back to hooping. I think um, Friday of this past week was the first day I was back. And like, then I was kind of like, ah, oh, like I still wasn't able to move much, but like these past couple of days been going at it full strength. So that's been awesome. Missed that. Um, and then my nay for the week, I guess it's just like my nay is that I've got like the end of my college time coming up. Like I've got, um two weeks left after these next couple of days of classes for the rest of my time in undergraduate college uh yeah. gonna go to grad school and stuff so uh that's of course still going on but i don't know i've, I've it's just been like kind of like like bittersweet type thing so it's not necessarily like a nay per se but it's just been like a weird feeling you know in that weird middle spot not necessarily knowing exactly what's going to happen going forward so it's been a weird one it's you know those changes, those like life lessons and those big moments, you know? Yeah. It's good, but it's bittersweet that it's uh, exactly. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that. Isn't and, uh, and, Ryan and go ahead. Go ahead and cue the uh, the Green Day graduation song. What is it? It's good riddance, time of your life. <laughs> uh, I'll yeah. have to look. I'll have to look into it. Uh, isn't but it in the end, that's good? right. Yeah, there you go. I hope you had the time, time of your life. That's a graduation song. I didn't even know. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it shows because I haven't done it. It was that one and the song that's actually I think it's called the graduation song. It's like as we go on, yeah, we that remember one. all the times, times we had together. Yes, topic bangers. thunder idol, bangers only, bangers topic only. Topic pelican idol. Uh, my fault. My fault. I forgot the branding. It's like the the whole IHOP thing. The high, yeah. yeah, International House of Burgers. Absolutely, we we, we came back to that. Um, yeah, hey, isn't your brother graduating too? He's graduating from grad school here. Yeah, yeah. so hey, that's awesome. So be, that's uh, super graduating on dual one. Man. Yeah, exactly. It's and then my younger sister graduated from high school last year, so it's been a lot oh. of graduations going on. I thought you was about to say she's graduated from high school this year. I was like, bro, that's like that's like Loki trippy. All of y'all, yeah, no, no that would have been stuff. wild. One year off. We were so close to three in a year, but you know, uh, she she didn't want to be held back a year, of course. Yeah. And consider it, you know. That's awesome. Congrats. Congrats to the Cone fam. How dare she not take a red shirt season? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She red shirt her in high school. <laughs> there you go. Uh all right, Alex, what's your shade day for the week, friend? Uh um hmm. Uh, Maddie, go ahead and go, man. <laughs> okay. Um, and a, a follow up my, my moment. Cause I thought we were doing four by four and I like, I, I couldn't do that uh, right now, um, without preparing. Cause that was a, a cool audible. Um, it was the giddy inbound pass to, to Kenrich to put the game into overtime, which led to Dort's moment, um, in overtime against the, the Mavericks. So, um, Super dope there. I think I guess I, I it's think part we of it. That. I think we called it. I think um, I, I think that's part of my shay and being able to get that um, done. My my nay is my my uh, my son. My recently one year old son is cutting two more teeth oh, and man. still dealing with the the remnants of an ear infection. He doesn't go in for tubes until May. Um, so good that he's getting tubes kind of sucks. He's got to get put under for that and all that. Um, but kind of going through it right now, dude can't get comfortable and all that stuff. So just kind of like crappy. And of course, like Texas allergies and everything doesn't really help that situation a ton. So that's certainly an A um, for, for him. And then my Shay is that I uh, literally minutes before the podcast recorded finished uh putting together a new computer desk i'd been using one of those like lifetime fold-out tables for the last two years because the movers when we got stationed down here broke my previous desk so think about like what buffalo bills fans like i was literally about to say through like that's what i've been using (laughs) as a desk Um, you've got to dive you've got to dive through it now if the thunder get the number one (laughs) overall pick you have to drop a video of you diving through it like a Bills fan. Yes, I love uh, it. I really I like to. it. 
I really want to, but I also want to get my disability in full. <laughs> I retired mm. from the military. Trade-offs. And I don't want That's them fair. to say, well, you, you dove through a table, so, you know, good luck. Oh, you um, don't have to know about it. Just block at U.S. military on Twitter. You're good. They'll never see it. <laughs> just, yeah, go around and just put, like, hands up in front of my, my boss's face as he's, like, on Twitter for some reason. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to be a lot more productive and it'll also help with, you know, draft season coming up for both NBA and NFL um, and all yep. the, the the film and all that stuff will turn out. So really excited about having a dedicated workspace that's not a like temporary solution. And I actually feel more zen and more focused. So um, that's certainly a, a shay for me because like, uh, I get distracted pretty easily as a lot of people do these days. And so being able to focus and have an area that's dedicated to that is huge for me. I, I, I had to pause. So I didn't say absolutely, man. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> I I've already taken 19 shots. Cause that's how many times you said absolutely, man, since we started this thing. So no, no shot, no shot. Um, but yeah, guys, well, geez, you might just, you might jump through the table without even thinking about it at this point. Oh, there you go. There is no table. Just like oh. the matrix. There is no spoon. Hey, you know, it makes sense. Um, yeah, guys, you know, we got a lot of interesting, we got a lot of exciting things in the works. Um, right now on the schedule, we've got a uh, Nathan Grubel, a draft for coming on next Thursday, um, to you know, really dive in and start working, looking on the draft. Uh, Keandre Hupinolex is going to be coming on. Um, like I said, Corey and Albert's going to be coming on. We got Mavs draft coming on after the lottery. Like we've we've got so much in the works when it comes to uh, draft stuff. So you know, keep it here, guys. We're gonna we're gonna have you guys good and informed. So, um, but yeah, um, as far as uh, things coming up. I mean, as Maddie said, NFL drafts coming up. He's got an NFL pod, uh, mainly Broncos. Is that right, Maddie? Yep. Oh yeah. Oh sure. Mainly Broncos. M A N E L Y, like the the mane of a horse, because yeah. I'm a Broncos fan. So yeah. there, you go. there you go. There's one of those puns Connor likes. So uh, follow oh, and subscribe yeah. there. <laughs> Been my favorite pod episode yet. Yeah, and then uh, and then for Cone, you know, he uh, he's recently. He's got the social media job at the Enjoy Basketball. He was on Snapback Sports Pod. So, big things happening for the Big Cone Meister. Yeah, man, we're we're making moves. Yeah. So follow at Enjoy Basketball or at Enjoy B Ball. Is that Enjoy? Enjoy B Ball. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. And then uh, for me, yeah, if you haven't check out my article, uh, I'm very proud of it. I keep hitting the bed and waking up my wife. So uh, I'm going to have to get off here. But, uh, guys, thank you for coming on the pod. It was a great time. Uh, thank you all for listening and supporting us. Hope you guys have a great night. God bless. Uh, wear a mask you need to vaccinate. But if you have not, hoop when you can, like Connor. Don't hurt your ankle. And as always, Pelican. I'm Pelicans up. Pelicans up. Pelicans up. <laughs> Thunder up, baby. Thunder up. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter, at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up!
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.